Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. The Vegas lead (laughs) is Jimmy G because, one, the NFL is king, but two, the reports we're hearing on what they're not getting in offers tells a heck of a story, and it's it's not a positive one for Jimmy G. Yeah, reports are emerging that the 49ers have not gotten the trade offers they've hoped for while pursuing a potential f- trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the question is, what is the fair asking price for Jimmy Garoppolo? Okay, I think that's well said. Let's set up a few assumptions here, and then the statement is going to be strong for me. Okay, the contractual situation is very positive for the 49ers, which means modest dead cap money. So getting rid of him doesn't come at um, you know nearly any expense. So it's 1.4 million dead cap and 27 million of cap savings. Or or that's on 27 million in total outlay that is going to have to be made as cash uh, expense. So that means that the team that takes him is going to have to pay $27 million, both on the cap hit and in cash. That, to me, is not advantageous to the team that receives him. Jimmy G at $27 million is not cheap. Is he expensive? Maybe a little, to be honest. I would say he's a little towards the expensive side. Would you agree with that, AJ? 27 for Jimmy G, that's not a bargain. It's not a bargain, no. All right, so now... Let's just say that uh, it, the assumption should be that the trades that are being offered for him, the draft choices mostly, are going to be a little less than if the contract was neutral. Right? A little bit less, but not much because it's, it's just a little negative. But it goes to show you why the 49ers want to get rid of him because there's no real consequence. And if they can get something, why not? Now, the question is, if they can't get anything worthwhile, wouldn't they rather keep him? But at 27, it's kind of hard to keep him, you know, as a, you know, as a backup quarterback or whatever he'd be. So that's the conundrum the 49ers are in, and the rest of the league is is saying, hey, what do we think he's worth? Now let's talk about what we think his value is, or at least his ranking is. And AJ, I think we are pretty much in the same place with this. And and you're going to give us a number one to 32. When he's healthy, assuming every quarterback's healthy, and then the number with the reality, which is he gets hurt more than most, thus he gets downgraded. So where do you see him if it wasn't an issue of injury? It's just he's ready to play. All the other quarterbacks are ready. One to 32. 15. All right. I think that's right. I'd have him a little higher, 13 or 14, but okay. Same range. And then I think we both agree – about a five-slot downgrade because of his uh, extensive injury history? Yep, 20 feels like the right number. Yeah, and I'll say 18 or 19. Now, think about that for a second. There's the old saying, right? Availability is the best ability or something like that. <laughs> is Jimmy G is an above-average quarterback when he's not injured. And actually, it's interesting. He's probably even better than that when he's not injured because – He plays injured like all quarterbacks do, and he seems to be affected by injuries on the field more than most. Some guys can be hurt a little, and it messes them way up. Other guys 
they can be banged up and they play just as well. Jimmy G, if his hamstring's hurting, balls are sailing, if his thumb's hurting. Now, listen, I'm not saying he's not tough because he does tough it out, but his performance is hindered more than most by injuries, and he's injured more than usual. Okay, next question. Can you win a Super Bowl with Jimmy G? Now, they were one pass away. One pass away, third and 10, and overthrew him. You always hear about it. But maybe that's the point. Stafford had one pass in a couple spots that made or break, or it was a make or break for the Super Bowl in some ways. And he made them, or at least one of them. And Jimmy G didn't. Maybe is that all the difference between Stafford, who might be eight or nine in the league, if not a little better these days, maybe, and with Jimmy G where he's 15 or so when he's not hurt? Do you think you can win a Super Bowl with Jimmy G? I don't think you can win a Super Bowl with Jimmy G. I, I think the 49ers have maybe the best non-quarterback roster in the league, and they haven't been able to get over that hump. So I don't know where he could go that suddenly they would become a Super Bowl winning team. Yeah, yeah I think you're making a good point. And I would make the case, and I think most people believe, that the 49ers had a better roster their Super Bowl year than they had in any year since. So not only... Haven't they made it? They haven't come uh, to the Super Bowl. They haven't won it. They haven't come near as close. And you might say, well, they were in the – yeah, but that's – let's be candid. That's a full win. To close that door is a big deal. A lot of people win division round games, right? A lot of people even make the Super Bowl. But to win it, it's it, it, it's shocking the number or the, 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 the low number – of below elite quarterbacks that have won a Super Bowl. And if you go back and start in 2000, let's say Peyton Manning's first in 2006 or 2005, and yeah, we're trying to get away from Brad Johnson and, and Delfer. But listen, <laughs> the league has changed drastically since then. So we'll say Peyton Manning's first Super Bowl or whatever is, I mean, you got Rex, Rex Grossman playing in the Super Bowl. You got DeLome. I guess it was a little before that. But Who's winning it? You got Nick Foles, you got Flacco, and then you got Hall of Famers, and then you got Stafford, right? Yeah. I mean, Big Ben, Eli. Yeah. Eli's he, one of the guys, like, if he didn't have the wins, maybe we wouldn't think of him as a Hall of Famer, but everybody else you'd think about a Hall of Famer with or without Super Bowls. I'm George Reister, host of the Reister or Wrong podcast. This is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth. Absolute fire on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Facts only. Make sure you check your feelings at the door because no BS is allowed. We keep it 100. This is where real conversations happen. Listen to the Right or Wrong podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Yeah, that true enough. But you know, I was here. Actually, Dofer was on a podcast talk, and and he was saying he thinks it's ridiculous that people. And again, I guess it works for his advantage to play up Super Bowl wins. But he, you know, because that's his, you know, real star on his helmet. Sure. But and, and, and it's an amazing star. But the reality is, or, or his thought was, that he thought it was ridiculous that Eli wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer. And you know what? I don't know about first ballot, but I agree. I mean, because it wasn't just winning him. He won them. 
I mean, everyone remembers the helmet catch and all that. Well, it's who they beat. Yeah, yeah. Undefeated. They changed NFL history, beating an undefeated team. Yep. And and then when you take take the helmet catch and his escape, and then what people don't remember as well in the second one, that throw up the left sideline to Manningham, it was one of the greatest throws I've ever seen. It was like 45 yards, and it was like within an inch of where he went. It just dropped. You remember that basket catch on the yep. left sideline? I mean, listen, if we're going to say that count the rings, then, then count the rings. And, 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 and if somehow, some way um, – Dilfer won a second one. I don't think he makes it because Dilfer didn't. And no, again, he's still a winning quarterback, but he wasn't the driving force of winning those games or that game. And and I would make the case that if Manning wasn't elite that day, he they don't win either of them. So you know, I it is fascinating to think about what is the psychology. Because I think it is some psychology. Man, if you're that lesser quarterback, if you know you don't belong on that biggest stage, or if you even have doubts, boy, that Super Bowl seems to melt you. I mean, it really does. And Nick Foles is the amazing exception to that. But if you generally say quarterbacks that weren't elite coming in the Super Bowl, how they did, I would make a strong case they did worse than they did in that regular season. Like if we said that regular season is their baseline for that year, I think on average they've done way worse. What do you think? I agree. I think the the one uh, exception that jumps off is Joe Flacco, who most people thought was just a sort of a game manager coming into uh, the playoffs and dominated the playoffs. Everyone says that, and I so disagree with it. And as a Steeler fan, I you know I I I think I got a uh, not a special insight, but some insight and. I was always scared of Flacco. But I, you have to admit that the playoff run that he went on that year was better than what he was in the regular well, so, season. So was Stafford's playoff run, but it doesn't doesn't, doesn't dismiss it. I You're think right. if I think if Flacco had continued his career after the Super Bowl like he had the lead up to it, you know, meaning that the, the prior seasons, not just that season, he's a borderline Hall of Famer. I mean, he was like in the eighth, seventh or eighth. But I don't know. Hall of Fame these days, it's hard to know. Maybe that's strong. But yeah. I think he was about the seventh or eighth best quarterback in the league that year. In fact, I'm, I, I, I would be hard-pressed to pick more than that ahead of him. But it's a debate, you know? I mean, do you, uh, I mean did you – again, you being in Houston at the time, you didn't watch a lot of Ravens games, did you? Or did you? I, I, yeah, I watched a lot of Ravens. I loved that Ravens team, so I, I was I – And you thought Flacco regular. was a, not a top-10 quarterback leading up I, to the Super Bowl? I thought he was borderline that. I, I mean, especially because they were having talks about what, you know, what kind of money should he get. And up until that point, I, I didn't think – he was a guy that should be getting a, a huge deal, so I, I guess my my but expectations were tempered on him. You never think supposed to get a huge deal. That's true. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a pocket watcher. That's a, yeah. That's a, well, yeah, because you're thinking I'm only getting paid. Ag- I'm not getting paid yeah, fifty yeah, million. Yeah. I mean, lest anyone be confused, AJ is not making fifty million or even thirty. You would have even taken Dax thirty-three that he turned down, right? That that I, I, that yep, that would be an upgrade for me. All right. Well, or <laughs> or to play off the number thirty-three, an extra couple cases of Rolling Rock, maybe <laughs> that works too. All right, let's take our first break. We'll wrap. No, actually. Let's just take one more minute. Let's wrap this up. I mean, to me, we don't think he's a winning quarterback. and or I'm sorry, a Super Bowl winning quarterback, Jimmy G. And I also think that, that the rumors and the athletic reported on this of what he's being 
offered for him really tells a story, AJ. Yeah, the the athletic reporting that the Steelers may be interested in Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe the front runner for him, and apparently the Steelers are looking at offering a fourth round pick and a second fourth round pick that's conditional and could turn into a second round pick based on incentives. So, uh, and I, now I ask you as the Steelers fan, now what this would do is obviously give you a bridge, and if it is important to Mike Tomlin not to have losing seasons, Jimmy Garoppolo with the Steelers feels like an upgrade. Feels Feels like you'd, you'd have a better season than you did even last year. Well, feels like an but, upgrade for Mason Rudolph. No, I mean from I'm from last year's Ben is who oh, I mean. It's obviously an upgrade. I agree with that too. I agree with that too. Yeah. So so maybe that he's a, a convenient bridge for them to keep them from having to completely fall off. They invest in a quarterback, yeah, a young yeah. quarterback in the off season, and really, if you give well, up just a fourth and second round pick, you, you feel all right. Well, first off, a fourth and a second's too much to me. So okay. for me, the question becomes. What are the triggers to get to a second? Because a fourth and a third, I can deal with. A fourth and a fourth, I can deal with for sure. So to me, that second, the second round picks are very valuable. If they say he, he's got to play it in at least thirteen games and make the playoffs, and you get a second round pick, mm. that fourth rounder turns into a second. Are you okay with that? I probably do. If the Ste- I probably would be if the Steelers are smart. And don't, remember, it's not going to be about games played. It's going to be about percentage of snaps, typically. Right. And I think whenever you're up. Big, you take him out. See, the Colts didn't do that. I'm <laughs> they telling did not. you, and they made, uh, I think, a major mistake because they're frozen now. They can't. They don't have any anything to trade to get another quarterback. I mean, listen, I'd rather. Now, the rumor is Pittsburgh. And who knows if they can get him? But the rumor is Pittsburgh wants the Liberty quarterback. Malik Willis. Yes, and massive upside, right? But massive project. So it strikes me that Jimmy, this is analogous to with Trey Lance. Jimmy G comes in, mentors, has a year at quarterback, makes his 27 mil, and then based upon how well he does, based upon how the quarterback, hypothetically, they draft does – they decide on the next year. I would love that. Then if that's the case, what Jimmy G has become is the younger Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's the guy who you get when you just need to to give your guy a year to groom, your young guy that you believe in. You want to give him a year to groom. You bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now maybe Jimmy Garoppolo becomes that guy. I think exactly the same, except Jimmy G's better looking. That's fair. That's Fitzpatrick fair. is smarter. He went Fitz, to Yeah, better educated. Exactly. <laughs> so, but I do think the rap. It's interesting that a second or a fourth and a fourth would be a real not slap in the face, but it would be a real sign that Jimmy G is not considered to be much. Because let's be candid, Carson Wentz, who had a worse contract relative than Jimmy G. Worst contract, he got traded for, you know, the conditional second and the, what was the, was it a third? I think it was a third, right? I believe so. I don't recall. The coach had a third, yeah. So it might have been a fourth. But either way, it was more, the conditional to make a second was fairly easy. So, and remember, no one's given the 49ers this yet. We're saying maybe Pittsburgh is would give. So I would make the case that, boy, Carson Wentz, after having one of the worst years we've seen the year before this last one, right? When his last one with the Eagles was bad. And he had a worse contract by, I think, a pretty far because there was multiple years yeah, on it. Yeah, a lot more time left on it. And to, for him to get better offers than Jimmy G, 
I think is a slap in the face of Jimmy G, but it also might be a sign of the obsession in the NFL now that you better have a monster talent with monster traits or you can't win that whole, you know, uh, Josh Allen, Mahomes reaction to that game in 13 seconds. Can Jimmy G do that? No, he can't. And maybe you need a quarterback to do that. I think that that middle-of-the-road quarterback, the Fitzpatrick, is less in favor now than he's been recently. That type of quarterback because of the need for monster talent, monster arm talent especially. What do you think? I agree, and you say this all the time. We we fall in as a society. We fall in love with potential. And Carson Wentz, we've seen Carson Wentz play at a near MVP level before, so you know that that's in him. So that you you're willing to pay for maybe he reclaims that upside. Jimmy Garoppolo, I think the the physical tools there's just a cap on on how good Jimmy Garoppolo can be. He was a second round pick. I mean, and and um and he only got he was only traded for a second rounder when he was traded. Yep. So after everyone was, you know, thinking he was had a lot of potential at the time, everyone said, "How did how did Belichick trade him that cheap?" Well, I don't know, but it, it, in hindsight, it seemed about right. And not that Belichick shouldn't have tried to get more, but who knows what happened there, right? Because there's a lot of rumors about that one. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Demar Derozan with a spectacular night last night, 37 points. On 71% shooting, just uh, it continues this streak of fantastic play, RJ. And let's talk about this streak. All right. Eight games in a row, he's done the following. 35 or more points. And 50% or better from the field. So he's making half his shots or more, and he's scoring 35. The people who have done that for eight straight games, DeMar DeRozan... Yep, that's it. Nobody that's not else. A list. That's unbelievable. It. Wilt Chamberlain, Wilt Chamberlain, had tied him at seven. This is a guy that scored a hundred points a game, uh, in, in a game. This is a guy that had fifty rebounds. No, no, wait. He had thirty rebounds per game during a season. Think about that a second. I mean, talk about men, men and boys. But he couldn't do this. I mean, it's unbelievable because think about it. When someone scores over 30, even MJ, it was like a lot of times you're putting up a lot of shots. And this DeRose, I mean, from what he did from the Toronto time to and then the growth with the Spurs and the growth again this year, it's shocking. Yeah, there's there's no doubt, and this is a guy who you know even that that 50 percent number. There's been only one game in that streak. Where he's been like he's been below fifty nine percent. Like that fifty percent was so an you're outlier saying of the game. Eight games, seven games, he was above fifty nine percent. Yes. Jeez. <laughs> yes, he is extremely efficient right now. And it's not like he's. I mean, you could see like you know Shaq in his heyday shooting that percentage, but. You know, well, and you could see Wilt Chamberlain. I mean, he's a, a a man amongst boys and playing close to the basket. This is a guy who's who's a shot maker. In fact, won the game on a uh, a fadeaway last night. To get, he he hit the shot that gave him a 109-108 lead with 15 seconds to go, and and ended up winning the game. And here's the thing: if you ever had any doubt that the betting markets are susceptible to narrative, susceptible to human sentiment, then the MVP odds should dispel that doubt because yesterday, 24 hours ago, 
AJ, what was DeRozan's? What, what were DeRozan's MVP odds? He was twenty to one prior to last night's game. All right, so one game happens out of eighty-two, and his current odds to win the MVP <laughs> thirteen to one. So talk about a surge. Now you might think, well, where did he start the season? Well, <laughs> this is hilarious. Is he wasn't listed? They had 28 players listed. He didn't even make the top 28. And amongst those 28, there were multiple players paying 250 to 1. So it can only fairly be assumed the bookmakers considered him, DeRozan, to be worse than 250 to 1. And now he's 13 to 1. I mean, the, the list of the list of names that had better odds than than him in hindsight is laughable. Lamelo Ball, Kyle Lowry, Brandon Ingram, Pascal Siakam, Ben Simmons, Zion Williamson. It's just funny. To, it, Russell Westbrook had uh, he was plus ten thousand, and DeRozan wasn't even on this list. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, come on, what? The idea of Zion, I mean, I bet his Zion's odds before the before it was known how injured he was was probably like the fifth or sixth favorite, right? Uh, no, he was he was also plus ten thousand. No, 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 no. That must have been wow. That's impossible. Zion? That's the pre preseason odds. Yep. Yeah. Well, then it must have been very clear how hurt he that he was going to miss significant time. Then okay, because otherwise, I mean. This, he, yeah, he would have been right up there. You know, not in the top, top tier, but now obviously there's a reevaluation with his weight and all that now. Okay, so to me, it, it, well, I think let's look at the MVP odds other than DeRozan because it really tells a story about that the NBA is a worldwide league. Uh the top three favorites, AJ, for the MVP in the NBA. Joel Embiid is plus 140. Nikola Jokic plus 290. Giannis Antetokounmpo plus 390. So, one, I've heard a lot of sharp people talking Giannis. And it's like, yeah, you're not thinking of him, but I, I don't think so. In fact, I think these odds are really impressive, That meaning that the fact he's less than four to one, because this is a narrative. I, I mean, Jokic is having a better season than Embiid statistically. But pe- but he's not as exciting, and people don't want to give it to him a second time in a row. So the fact that he's... Well, and they're fa- I think they're factoring in team success as well. Yeah, but if you actually look at it, considering... And, and again, it's all relative, right? But, can, but, but you're right. Historically, historically... Teams have finished first, second, or third. And third has even been rare. But first or second when on the MVP's team. So typically there's going to be four teams, two in the West, two in the East. Who's the best player on each team? And whoever the best is amongst them wins the MVP. Now, Westbrook was sixth with OKC when he averaged a triple-double. But it had been decades. And the Oscar Robinson, there was all these reasons for it. But for the most part, it's top two seeds. You're right. But, man, if you're going to make any accommodation, you look at Murray being out, you look at the injuries Denver's had, and the fact that right now they don't even have to play a playing game, 
Man, I think it's it's been an amazing. If you go relative to expectation, I think Denver's performed amazingly well. What do you think? Well, would you? I would say I agree with what you said, considering he hasn't had Murray all year. But you could also argue, well, you know, Joel Embiid did this all year without Ben Simmons, who was supposed to be his number two. Yeah, that's interesting. But if you look, if you look at the, if you look at the quality, well, how much? What has Ben Simmons? What have they done? I mean, how much better is Philly? I mean, where's Philly at? Philly's like what, three games out of like seventh, right? Like no, team, Philly's three ga- three games out of first. They're thirty five. Uh, yeah, but and how far are they from seventh? Uh, they I mean, what are, I'm saying yeah, two, is they two and be, a half games. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, so what I'm talking, what we're saying here is, you know, they're in if, the bunch. Yeah, there's a bunch, and and I do think in a weird way, if you're betting MVP, you've got to be looking at who you think's going to surge. Team-wise, because I do believe the voters, there's a, there's a contingent of voters in the NBA that are going to only vote for a team that's winning, a player on a, a team that's winning and winning big, first seed, second seed. And because of that, it's hard for someone else to win. I mean, we got decades of, of numbers on this, and it's just not easy to win being a sixth seed. So, is it time to then, then to take DeMar DeRozan seriously as a candidate, given that the Bulls are, are the best team in the East? Well, the market sure is, right? I mean, 13 to 1. Right. I just think that if Embiid doesn't get hurt, it feels like it's a narrative. But remember, there's really high risk in the Sixers. They've, I mean, they are trying, you could say, well, Harden's just an addition. Yeah, but what happens if they have trouble integrating him? Yeah, the way you the way Harden the way Harden plays, you're gonna your your team is gonna fundamentally change unless Harden just decides I'm I'm perfectly fine being a role player, which I don't believe that's what James Harden. Well, they didn't trade him to be a role being. player, right? So you're trade gonna have to him. change the way. You're, there's gonna be a lot more ISO. There's gonna be it's going to be less of the Joel Embiid show. At least that's what we expect, right? right? Maybe maybe Harden plays like he did with the Nets. When he's on the floor with Embiid, and he takes over as the the scorer when he's when when Embiid's out, you know, for rest, and not cross them over totally is what I've been hearing too. So w- what we know for sure to wrap this up is that the Sixers have a lot of variance in them. They could be a lot better. They could be a lot worse. And since Embiid's the favorite, I don't like that. And even if they are a little bit better. Maybe his stats take a, a, a little bit of a dive because Harden's shooting more. 